Well, please turn with me in our Bibles this evening uh, to the book of Psalms and turning to Psalm 134. Psalm 134, and in the church Bibles, you'll find this on page 519. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Over the last number of weeks, uh, we have been looking at this collection of psalms. Uh, We have noted that these psalms all have that same heading to them. From Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, there is that heading that says, A Song of Ascents. And most likely, or A Song of Degrees. And most likely, uh, that heading is meant to reflect the fact that these psalms were gathered together and were used as the people made their journey towards Mount Zion, uh, towards Jerusalem. And we've noted uh, there are certain characteristics that emerge as we study these 15 psalms. We highlighted, for instance, that over half of them, eight out of the 15, explicitly mention Mount Zion or Jerusalem by name. And so a theme of these psalms is really Jerusalem. Uh, We've also noted that uh, these psalms uh, circulate around the theme of worship. And that is particularly true as we come to this final psalm uh, in this collection this evening. As we come to Psalm 134, uh, we are coming, we could say, to the highest point in the ascent. Uh, As we climb up, not only towards Mount Jerusalem, but as we see where these psalms are ultimately leading us, the destination point is praise. And so praise becomes uh, our final destination that this journey of faith is meant to lead us on. And so as we're coming to this last psalm this evening, we want to see that because the praise of the Lord is the great end to which we are appointed for, that we are to praise God. And we want to think about this short psalm in just two thoughts. We want to think about blessing God and secondly, being blessed by God. First, uh, we want to think about the idea of blessing the Lord. You see that in verse 1. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. When we hear the word uh, or the the phrase, bless the Lord, uh, oftentimes when we think of being blessed, uh, that that verbiage, that that way of speaking, we think about God blessing. Uh, We think about God consecrating something or someone or something for a particular purpose. That God's favor is being communicated uh, in some way to some object. You think of, for instance, when God created the heavens and the earth. It tells us that God uh, created the land creatures and the, the, the sea creatures. But then God said, be fruitful and multiply. Uh, and God blessed uh, uh, the, the, the creatures of the deep. 
that, that God consecrated them, that he, he showed his favor upon creation uh, in uh, pronouncing his blessing upon them. You think, for instance, in creation, when God created for six days, and then on the seventh day, it tells us, and God blessed the seventh day. He set it apart, uh, that it was uh, to be used in a certain way. And so it was consecrated. Or you could fast forward to the New Testament. You remember when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus and he meets with the two and he goes and he is going to eat with them. And it tells us that they, they took bread and that Jesus blessed the food and then broke it and gave it to them. That he was, he was consecrating that as an act uh, to give thanks to the Lord. And it was being set apart as something of an object to give a blessing to others. And so when we think about blessing, we oftentimes think about God's favor being communicated uh, on objects or on people in a particular way. So what can it mean when we come to this psalm and it says, come bless the Lord? If we oftentimes think about God as the one who's blessing us or blessing other things. It helps us to begin with that definition when we think about blessing to set something apart, uh, to declare one's favor on something. Because when worshipers are doing that, they are doing that with the Lord. To bless the Lord is to set the Lord apart, to consecrate the Lord, to give him the glory that is due to his name. It is to express with words one's delight in God. It is to praise God. And so when it says here, come bless the Lord, it is talking about finding one's delight in God, setting the Lord above all else, giving him a priority that belongs only to God and expressing that delight in words. And you notice that uh, this is how the psalm uh, begins, by calling the servants of the Lord to bless the Lord. Who are these servants? Uh, most likely, based on the following descriptions in this psalm, the servants of the Lord would be the Levites or the priestly servants uh, in the temple. Uh, those who stand in the temple day and night. Uh, those who uh, are uh, at this work. The servants of the Lord are uh, uh, commissioned with that particular purpose. But notice it even begins with the language come. Come, bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord. That word come is the same word that was used just in the previous psalm. You remember how it began. Behold how pleasant and how good it is when brothers live in unity. That word behold is actually the same word that we translate as come in this psalm. It's simply calling attention uh, to something significant. In other words, these Levites... These servants who are in the temple, they're having their attention drawn to the fact that they're engaged in something very important, that they shouldn't be going about it passively, but that they should realize that this is their great privilege and they should be going about it uh, with that mindset, recognizing their high calling and not simply going through the motions, but recognizing that they are appointed for this work. And we can mention two reasons why. Why it is that they should go about praising or blessing the Lord. One, as we mentioned, that's what they were appointed for. 
Who were the Levites? The Levites were the tribe that had been chosen by God. That same language of chosen by God for the service of God. They were consecrated by the Lord for the temple ministry, for the tabernacle ministry. And so it was their calling that was placed upon them to magnify the Lord and to live in response uh, to his call. Maybe you're here this evening and you don't really want to be here. Maybe you're brought here or maybe you were brought here because someone else wanted to come this evening. Why should we bless the Lord? Why should we worship God? One reason why we should bless the Lord is because we are called to. We begin our gatherings with a call to worship. God calls us to worship him. God has called all people, not just the Levites, to worship him. You think even of our our own shorter catechism. What is the chief end of man? What is our great calling in this world? Our great calling in this world is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. What am I here for? To praise God. And so that is our appointment uh, in this world. That's why we should praise the Lord. But more than that, not only does God call us to this end, but that's the appropriate response. These Levites are standing in the temple They're standing in the house of God where God promised to meet with his people. They're standing in the place where God showed them that there was a way to be restored to him. Where sacrifices were made for sin. Where the assurance of pardon was given to them. They they recognized there was a reconciliation with God. And so why is it that people should be worshiping God? Because this is the appropriate response to God's grace. And so as we think about this uh, beginning here, come, uh, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, it is a recognition that this is what we are called to. And this is how we respond to God's works. God has shown his grace in Jesus. And this is our response to that. This calling then, although we can look at this immediately as being directed towards the Levites or the priests, it begins to expand out from that. Because as you read in the Old Testament even, what did it describe the people of God as? A kingdom of priests. They were as a nation, a holy nation. They were to be described as servants of the Lord, not just Levites, but the people of God as a whole. And then when you come to the new covenant, how does the apostle Peter describe Christians? He describes them as a kingdom of priests. He describes them as a holy nation. They are those who have been set apart to bless the Lord which is exactly what Isaiah was describing would happen. It tells us uh, in Isaiah chapter 66 that the Lord intends to make the nations into priests and Levites. Isn't that amazing? That that's how they were described. God will make the nations into Levites. That they would all be engaged in the praise of God. 
that they would be worshiping the Lord, blessing his name, because that's what they are appointed for. And that's the appropriate response. This response from the nations coming to bless the Lord is ultimately something that was connected with the coming of the Messiah. That when the Messiah comes, the nations will join in in the worship of God. The nations will be attracted to God on account of the Messiah. How does that work? Because when the Messiah comes, part of the Messiah's work was in the worship of God. The Messiah would praise God. And as he praises the Lord, the peoples would join in with him. Do you remember what it says in Psalm 22? The Messiah speaks and says, I will praise your name. I will sing of your praises. And so Jesus is the one who leads the people in the praise of God. And the nations join in as they recognize the glory of God through the work of the Messiah. He would lead sinners not only to see the greatness of God as their creator, but he would cause them to delight in the Lord as their redeemer. And so those who identify themselves as servants of the Lord Jesus now take their place in the temple of God. And as Peter says, they are a royal priesthood who proclaim the excellencies of him who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. So we see here this uh, declaration, this uh, engagement in praising God. Who's doing this? The servants of the Lord. Those who serve in the temple. Those servants, though, expand out from the Levites. It includes the people of God. And as Isaiah says, it encompasses the nations. And it encompasses the nations because the Messiah leads them to praise God. They see what the Messiah has gone through in his humiliation and now in his exaltation. And they also delight in this God because they realize this is what they're called to. And they realize this is the appropriate response. God has sent us a savior and I can delight in him. So there is why they are praising the Lord. But we also see a description of even when these servants praise. There again in verse 1, they are described as those who stand by night in the house of the Lord. You remember in the temple, there was no temple furnishings for a chair to sit on, uh, that those who were in the temple did so standing. But you notice here that the accent also lies in the fact that they are standing by night in the house of the Lord that the praise of the Lord is fitting and appropriate, but it is not something that everyone can be doing all the time. But the Levites did. By rotation, the Levites were constantly engaged in the worship and the praise of God's name. We read, for instance, in First Chronicles, it tells us of the duties of the Levites. Now these, the singers, the heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites, were in the chamber of the temple, free from other service, for they were on duty day and night. In First Chronicles 23, it says, They were to stand every morning, thanking and praising the Lord, 
and likewise at evening. That was their calling, to be constantly declaring the praise of God. And why is that? It was because they were a pattern of the heavenly reality. They were picturing something of the truth that God is forever and always to be praised. And so by rotation, the Levites were describing something of God's greatness. He is always to be praised. And so they committed themselves to that very work. That's not something that every Israelite could be doing, although there were exceptions. We read, for instance, there in the New Testament how it describes Anna, a widow who was at the temple day and night, fasting and praying and praising God. That was her life's occupation, to declare the greatness of God. That's what the Levites were doing. They were declaring God's greatness both day and night. And so they were, they were a picture, they were a reflection of the heavenly reality, this perpetual worship of God that takes place around the throne of God. But again, that exhortation, come, bless the Lord, you servants of the Lord. If they're constantly engaged in this, how easy and how subtle and tempting it could be to become so mechanical about it, to simply go through the motions. It's just another day. And here there is a sense of appreciating the high calling that they are engaged in, to not to do so mindlessly or thoughtlessly, but to recognize who it is that they are praising. And so we ourselves can learn from that, that we shouldn't just go through the motions when we gather and worship. When we come before God, we should be thinking about the privilege it is, but also the high calling of declaring God's greatness. They were to do it both day and night, acknowledging God's worth. So we see here a description of uh, why it is that they are to gather. They are servants of the Lord, appointed for that task. We see when, uh, by night, uh, and we also see a description here of how. In verse 2, it says, lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. That could be translated, lift up your hands to the sanctuary or even lift up your hands in holiness. Uh, either translation is possible. And you could read even an echo of this, perhaps, in Paul's words. When in First Timothy, Paul says, that he exhorts men to lift up holy hands to God in prayer. It may be that Paul is thinking of this mindset. But in light of the overall context of these psalms that are concentrated on Jerusalem, it seems likely that it is in the sanctuary that they are to lift up their hands. As they stand in the sanctuary, they are to lift up holy hands to the Lord in prayer. There are many passages where God calls on his people to lift up their hands in prayer. In Nehemiah, for instance, it says, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Why did they lift up their hands? 
Lifting up one's hands was an outward gesture. It was a physical expression of an inward state of dependence. By lifting up their prayer, their hands in prayer, they were acknowledging their need, their neediness of God's help. Just like when you see a toddler walking. A toddler just lifts up their hands to the adult, to the parent, just instinctively saying, help me, pick me up. That's all that they have to do to gesture their need. And so when they lift up their hands, they are expressing something outwardly about an inward state. And so here, the servants of the Lord are directed to lift up their hands, acknowledging our help comes in the name of the Lord. We need God's help in all that we do. And so as we think about that, there ought to be a lesson when we think about how we live and how we worship. Yes, there can be a physical gesture in even how we worship, but everything that we do should be with the mindset that we depend on the Lord's help. That we need the Lord's blessing even in worship, to be able to worship in a way that is pleasing in God's sight. And so that should be expressed in the way that we approach God. And so we see here this description of the fittingness of praise. Who is to praise? Those who are servants of God. Why should they praise God? Because they're called to that task. Because it's the appropriate thing for those who have come to stand in the temple of God. Those who have discovered God's grace that they are to do so in a, a spirit of dependence, acknowledging the greatness of their God. We don't have to come to Jerusalem. We don't have to ascend Mount Zion. In fact, the writer of Hebrews tells us the greater Zion is where the believer comes to in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, he says, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It's to... It's in Christ that we come to find something that we delight in. It's in Christ that we are able to declare the praises of God. And so you see that shift in the, this psalm. The opening half is really declaring that God is to be blessed by his people. But notice in verse 3 that it turns and it says, May the Lord bless you from Zion, the maker of heaven and earth. What was the task of the Levite? The task of the Levite was to offer up sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. He represented the people before God. What was the task of the priest before God? It was to represent God now before the people. And it tells us in the law of God that at that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord and to stand before the Lord to minister to him and to bless in his name to this day. The priests were to bless the people. 
They were to communicate the Lord's blessing as the Lord's representatives. They were communicating the Lord's favor upon them and the fact that the Lord had consecrated them as the objects of his delight. What does it mean to bless? It means to set apart, to ascribe favor and delight in something. When people praise God, they are setting God apart and saying, this is highly valuable. This I delight in. When God blesses his people, he is setting them apart and saying, this one I delight in. And the priest was to pronounce that to them. How do they know the Lord's blessing? They know it, it says there, from Mount Zion. From Zion, the Lord's blessing goes forth. But as we read there in Hebrews, Hebrews teaches us it is from, it is from the heavenly Jerusalem. It is from where Jesus is as the mediator of the new covenant. It is in Christ, the great high priest, that God's blessing comes out to us. How can I know that God delights in me from the Lord Jesus? In Christ, I can know God's delight in me. That I can know that God is pleased and that I have fellowship with God. And so, what does it mean to be blessed by God? So many of these psalms are really just meditating over what does the blessed life look like? And as we get to the end here, the blessed one is the one who finds blessing from Zion, where God's grace is communicated. It is in the work of God who has communicated his delight in them. Those who desire the Lord to be praised on account of his revelation in Jesus Christ can know the Lord's delight in them. And so the question then becomes is, do you want the Lord to be held high? Do you want to see God's name praised in Jesus Christ? Because if you do, then you can know the Lord's delight in you on account of Christ. So this psalm talks about blessing God, blessing him as servants of the Lord, blessing him uh, uh, in the work that we do at all times in a, in a posture of humility and dependence. But it also communicates God's blessing on them. It is a blessing that comes from Zion, but it is also a blessing that comes by God's power. Notice how the psalm ends. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Not only is the Lord disposed to blessing his people from Zion, but he is able to do it. God who created all things in the beginning is able to bless by the power of his word. He is able to overcome the problem of sin and to bless sinners. The French reformer John Calvin in the 16th century uh, said, by looking to the heavens, then they were to discover the power of God. And by looking to Zion, his dwelling place, they were to recognize his fatherly love. As they look out at the heavens, they can see the power of God. And as they look to Zion, they can see his fatherly love. That's how they can know what it means to be blessed by God. And so as, as we think about climbing a mountain, when you get to the top of the mountain, when you reach the summit, then you have 
perspective, then you can look around and appreciate the, the view. You can appreciate your setting. And here's a psalmist saying, having come to the ascent, having come to Jerusalem, I know where blessing is found. It's found in God, who has the power as creator to bless, and who is gracious from Jerusalem. And if we are trusting in Christ, we see the power of God and the grace of God revealed fully. This is how we can know the blessed life. The blessed one is the one who has been blessed by God, the one who is looking to God's grace in Jesus Christ. So where do we look ultimately for blessing? Is it from God or is it ultimately from this world? If we have come to know God's blessing in Christ, then we should live as blessed people. We should live as those who recognize if God is for us, who can be against us. That's the life of faith. To be able to live knowing the Lord is for me in Christ, then it doesn't matter what is against me. That's where the psalm ends. It is, the, it is the path of faith that looks to God and to his work, ultimately uh, trusting in his blessing. Have you come to trust in the Lord Jesus? And do you delight in this God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we think about uh, these psalms and all that they speak about, whether in terms of pursuit in life, the longing for peace, uh, the, the people with whom we find our uh, community with, whether we think of the persecutions that come, the longing for pardon, help us, Lord, to ultimately uh, see uh, the delight in praising our God, recognizing you as worthy of our delight, and being able to know that if we are in Christ, we are blessed indeed. So take away our sin, we pray, and help us to be able to look not only at the heavens above and to see your power, but to look to the Lord Jesus and to see your grace. In his name we pray. Amen.